Mid-market sized businesses are where the true economic action in business really is. They are nimble and agile. They're factories of growth, they lead in innovation, and they're early adopters of tech. These enterprises need the right tools, support and environment to flourish. But sadly, they're often overlooked and undervalued. Not here though. This is the Mid-Market Matters podcast, and I'm your host, Craig West. We'll explore pain points, growth strategies, and how to find the competitive edge. Welcome to SME Radio. On today's episode of Mid-Market Matters, I'm joined by Sue Jauncey. Sue has got probably the most interesting profile of anyone I've ever interviewed, being a registered psychologist. She's got a forensic background and actually began her career working in the Australian prison system. She's now working very closely with business owners, and uh, I think you'll find this really interesting. Sue, firstly, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me, Craig. So, as I said, a very, very interesting background. I'm interested to find out why is this such an interesting and important topic for business owners? Uh, The topic's important, Craig, because as you're probably aware, over the last 20, 30 years, we've seen the rise of uh, stress and anxiety in the workplace. We're hearing a lot about well-being. We're hearing a lot about mental health. What's important to me is that this ongoing increase and rise in stress and anxiety in the workforce needs to be addressed. We need to do something different about it. And if we keep doing the same things we're doing now, this issue of well-being, mental health, stress and anxiety, it's going to continue to get worse. And the evidence is very clear that that's been the case to date. And certainly exacerbated by COVID, obviously, with people working from home in isolation for long periods of time, couldn't possibly have made it better. Uh, It's accelerated. the So the conversation had started pre-COVID because stress and anxiety in the workplace, you know, was already present. Sure. Uh, uh, COVID has certainly accelerated the conversation. And for some people, working from home has suited them. For others, it's been a challenge. And you will find going forward, there will be a welcomed hybrid of the way we work together. Mm -hmm. However, we do want to uh, we do want people to understand the science around what constitutes a healthy productive workforce and to date we've addressed it through management models rather than addressing it through actual science and psychology yeah okay so let's let's talk about the science because you've got a background you're a psychologist you've got forensics background as i said you've worked in the australian prison system maybe give us a little bit of your background and how you got to this point Sure. Uh, Yes, I did start my career out uh, over 30 years ago now working across the Australian prison system. And working in the environment I did, our job was to be able to profile, of course, and predict behaviours before they occur. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the main source of what we did was to be able to re-socialise and re-normalise people back into the community so they could live a healthier, constructive, more constructive life. And we still use those principles of renormalization and resocialization, which is really important uh, if we think about workforces that are increasingly becoming more stressed and anxious, et cetera, then we need to do something different to renormalize and resocialize a different way to manage our workforce. So the white paper that you have seen, or what we have profiled and what we've seen over the last decade or so is that uh, in the workforce, we're operating from a constant fight and flight state. 
Mm -hmm. uh, which is uh, the workforce or the, the employees and staff are always looking for the next threat. So we've begun to over-personalise the way we operate in the workforce. Now, this means personalisation is defined as when everything that happens in the world, uh, we can only see it through the impact on self. So right. as an example, why wasn't I invited to that meeting? Or you must agree with my view, because if you don't agree with my view, then I'm not going to be seen as valuable. Um, you know, yeah. why didn't I get that promotion? And so there's a lot of stress and anxiety around our need to survive in the world. Now, Craig, what's happened is that has triggered a constant fight and flight state. And that means an overproduction of cortisol in our system. And cortisol is not good. It's not good for our immune system, cardiovascular, and we've normalised it. So uh, what happens in the workforce is if we start to relax a little bit, we, we become addicted to this cortisol injection. So we start looking for the next threat because we actually want to get that next dose of cortisol, which we've become accustomed to, you know, which keeps us in this fight and flight state looking for the threat. Uh, and this is why we've got stress and anxiety. It's on the rise and increasing. Now, we're asking leaders to understand what constitutes a happy, productive, healthy workforce. Now, in the past, we've leaned in on management models. Uh, we started to work with engagement surveys across the world where we thought if we asked yep. the employees' views and opinions, we'd understand what they needed to be happy and therefore we could have them feeling more productive. What we didn't realise or what unintentionally occurred is things like engagement surveys, when you're asking people what do you need, it reinforces this personalisation of it's all about me and my needs, but that's like a bucket with a whole lot of holes in the bottom. You can never fill mm -hmm. it. So if I meet your need once, Craig, it's very fleeting. It's reliant on the external gratification. And so we don't build any intrinsic self-worth in terms of what we're doing and we're reliant. And so it's a, a vicious circle. Personalisation increases. So does stress and anxiety, stress leave, et cetera, et cetera. So... What do we need to do? If we understand the science of the brain, it's non-discriminative and non-emotional. It's just going to do and respond to what's being fed into the brain. Now, if we're always looking at the uh, at being over-personalised and too much cortisol, it's not going to have a good outcome for anyone. What we need to do is to rebalance and focus people on getting a, a dose of the opposite, if you like, to cortisol, which is the oxytocin. Now, cortisol is the stress hormone. Oxytocin yep. is the love hormone that they talk to. But oxytocin... So we've got to share the love, right? Got to share the love, Craig. Absolutely. But oxytocin, uh, that's about... There's only two factors that make up a healthy, happy, constructive workforce. A lot of little factors when you run a factor analysis, yep. but only two that count. One is a sense of achievement. The second is a sense of connection to the people, to the purpose, to what it is you're working on. So we move people so that they start working on the collective goals so they can work collectively together and have a sense of achievement. By default, we're then looking after people's personal and individual well-being as well when we work together, and then you start getting a, do a dose of oxytocin. Not only that... When you're in a high state of cortisol production, 
there are there's neural pathways then that you cannot access such as solutions opportunities creative thinking because you're in the survival state but yeah, if we yeah. can take you over to working collectively you can access those neural pathways and the lens that you see the world looks very different does that make sense craig it's fascinating yeah absolutely yeah. it makes sense and i'm just thinking about my own working environment you know we we, we see that all the time when we're dealing with employees or supervisors or as a business owner you've got staff that work for you um, obviously being able to apply this sounds to me like it can make a substantial difference oh, when we're trying to manage our workforce incredible difference and so we're saying if if you go to uh, an organization now and you ask them uh, does your workforce talk about being stressed anxious stress leave overwhelmed you know the personalization then we are not managing our workforce correctly and yeah. we have to do things different workforce is in crisis now is the time that we need to understand the science behind it these aren't difficult things to do craig it's just the awareness we need to have to understand what's triggering the current state of over you know cortisol uh, production stress and anxiety and how we get people to work collectively now there are systems that you need to use if you're going to renormalize and re-socialize people to do things differently. And just to give you a bit of a, a silly example, if you like, a child's going to tell you that they need a chocolate biscuit or they want a chocolate biscuit, biscuit yep. before they eat dinner. But that doesn't mean it's good for them. So what they say they want is not necessarily what they need, you know, in order yeah. to, to have a healthier environment. So what we are saying is in order to renormalize and re-socialize, there has to be really strong accountability and infrastructure around the workforce so they can renormalize and make the transition. So something to hold them in place while they're making the transition and get to experience the change in feeling that sense of achievement and connection hormonally they start to feel better they start to see the world better there's got to be a system of of transformational change but not in the management sense that we talk about we're talking about how we make that psychological change and how we work the science to bring people along to a healthier place where they're no longer uh, fixated if you like unknowingly on this uh, need to have the cortisol production where they're living in a constant state of threat if that so, makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. So, but using using the science that we've just been talking about and cortisol, oxytocin, yeah. how do we? How do you think that's going to change the way we manage people or the way that we look after our staff, etc.? What do you think is going to happen there? Well, the difference is when you when you put uh, systems and processes in place that promote, you know, the collective achievement of the goals and that that we're doing, uh, two things are going to happen. People are going to start to become naturally happier because they're building intrinsic self-worth and well-being rather than being reliant on external gratification. Okay, yeah. so they start to build their own internal. When they build their own internal self-worth and well-being, which means uh, we anchor them, so they're anchored in their own self-worth, they start to look at the world differently. They actually have more energy. So when you go home at the end of the day, if you've been personalised and talking about what's wrong in the world and who's doing what, how and when and why your view and opinion wasn't accepted, you go home feeling tired, frustrated, everything oh. is hard and difficult and despondent. But yep. if you've achieved something, you've even achieved something on your to-do list, 
you go home physically feeling like you've got more energy and you're more likely to want to talk to your partners, go for a walk or do something different. Yep. So yep. It's a different cognitive state. So it's a win-win, Craig, if you put these systems in place to get people to work collectively. Uh, your employees become healthier. They have more energy. They see the world differently. They're focused on a collective output. They're focused on the organisation's goals. Performance improves and we get a win-win where we, where we look to improve and look after individual wellbeing and performance outcomes. And we should not look at them separate as separate projects. They're always going to be interactive and integrated and we need to look at the whole system, not parts. So why aren't we – it sounds reasonably simple. The way you're saying it now, it sounds like, okay, why isn't everybody doing this? Why aren't we already doing this? Uh, one, people haven't focused on the science. They're focused on more management models, and we get um, yep. we get caught up in the waves of what the latest trend is, but we don't always ask the right questions around what's the ramifications of what we're doing or, or bring the science of psychology into the conversation. So what happens is – uh, if we're using models uh, and we don't unintentionally, we don't realise it, that it is reinforcing the personalisation, we just keep defaulting back to those learned behaviours. So we're asking leaders to ask themselves the wisest question possible, which is, is my workforce healthy, constructive, focused on the right things and achieving, you know, what we need to achieve collectively? If the answer is no, then we have to relook at why is that the case? What have we missed? What is the science to be able to develop a workforce so that one, they're healthy and well-being is improving, and we get to focus on the purpose of the organisation and the goals of the organisation? Clearly, uh, while some organisations are doing quite well, the majority stress, anxiety, you'll hear staff saying, I don't know why they ask my view and opinion, they never take it on, nothing changes yeah, and all yeah. those sorts of things. And yeah. plus, in addition to this, Craig, now is the perfect opportunity that if we can start to uh, improve the intrinsic well-being of our workforce, when we do face another pandemic, we're going to be much better prepared because we're not going to change the uh, the fact that a pandemic might occur, but we will be able to change the way we respond to it and how we look after our well-being and the businesses and the performance of business. So we really now is the time that we need to be asking questions around what is the science behind developing psychologically uh, constructive, happy, healthy workforce environments that lead to better performance and outcomes so that we can manage any external circumstance that happens uh, better, psychologically better and healthier, more resilient, all of those sorts of things in the future, rather than uh, being caught out because we're still um, reliant on models that are uh, over-personalised and focusing on an individual instead of focusing on the collective. And therefore, you know, we've got these stressful, anxiety-provoked um, or filled workforces. Okay, well, that's certainly something that business owners need to be aware of. I'm interested to find out a little bit more. You founded a company called Apollon, um, yes. culture tech platform. You've got some software now that helps people actually implement this because I'm thinking about this, you know, I've got a business, I've got staff in my office in Sydney, I've got advisors all around the country. How do I apply this to my people? And I'm hearing now it looks like there's a technology platform that I can use to sort of help through this process. Tell me a bit more about what you've done there. 
Exactly, Craig. Well, one of my greatest challenges was, and this started from the days when I was working with offenders, uh, when I would have the offender say to me, when you're here, Sue, and talking to me, I feel like my life can be different. But when you leave, everything goes back to normal. Back to normal, normal. yes. Okay. And so over the last decade, it was developing how can I take the psychology, put that onto a platform so that whether we are there in person or not, it supports the people to continue to make the psychological changes that they need to make. So uh, we've developed a, you know, obviously it is a, a digital scalable SaaS uh, platform where the platform talks to all of the staff and employees in an organisation. So part of the challenges are, Craig, just because we become leaders, there is an expectation that all of a sudden now we're specialists also in being in human behaviour. And it's and it's just not the case, you know, yep. that we are. Yep. I mean, yep. I'm 30 years in and still learning, you know, some things that we do. But one of the greatest issues, and when I have been dealing um uh, counselling with people is uh, they've talked to me about some feedback that they've received in organisations from leaders and managers and the impact on them has been a lifelong impact. Some of it's been positive, but a lot of it's been negative. Yes. So what we needed to do was how do we communicate to geographically complex organisations with thousands of people, be able to communicate consistently that's going to encourage them to shift so that they can reduce the cortisol, increase the um oxytocin and focus on the collective outcomes and build self-worth and that meant that we need to communicate consistently we needed to be able to communicate in such a way that helped them change their mindset and the lens that they see the world in by asking them to do um, certain things so that they could be making that cognitive transition and hold them to account so we have to measure the progress if you're not measuring progress, Craig, people can't see what it is that they're achieving and what they're doing. So we had to measure it. So in this platform, uh, it goes out to, you know, thousands of people at any one time. So we deal with Northern Territory Health and other, other large organisations across the world where there's thousands of people involved. They all get communicated to in the same way. They all understand the goals they're working towards. It's consistent the way they communicate. They're, we pull the data in terms of the way they rate one another on the application of behaviours and performance goals so they can collectively achieve their outcomes with your usual dashboards and things like that. The, the difference is, one, the content that they're receiving that is reminding them what it is they need to do. So this is not about work they need to do. It's about changing their lens and their approach to work. And then we measure their progress against the improvements in the performance goals so they get to see what they've achieved. And they also get to experience how they feel around those achievements because they've been applying psychologically healthier behaviours, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. No, it's fantastic. I'm really interested to have a look at it and see what we might be able to do with it. Yes. Um, to summarise, we've gone through a lot of uh, lot of material fairly quickly there, which is really great. To summarise, what's your final word? What do people need to do to make this happen? Look, we would make a call out to leaders. So we're looking for wiser leadership. So, you yep. know, when we first came together with Apollon, Apollon was a derivative, if you like, of a, the god of Apollo, which is around knowledge and wisdom and all of those sorts of things. What we're really putting a call out is to ask leaders to really question and understand the science behind 
what constitutes a happy, healthy, productive workforce, and it's not based on management models, to understand the science and make sure that they're preparing and laying the right foundations for your workforce as step number one. It has to be the critical priority before you start a restructure, before you do an M&A, before you set your goals and objectives, because if we do not take notice of this science, and how to prepare a workforce to improve well-being and performance, then the current levels of stress, anxiety, potential onset of mental health issues is going to continue to rise. And it's on us as leaders to start to do things differently. Fantastic. So I guess that's your number one big tip. You've basically, the tip and the next step, final word, it all goes together really, doesn't it? It does. It does. And we really want people to get curious about this. There is an answer and it's not that hard. It's just a transition in the way that we think. And if they understand this and apply it, you just about get results overnight when people, because what people focus on are the results and the outcomes you're going to get. So if they're focused on being stressed and anxiety and what they're not getting, that's what's going to continue to happen. If we focus them on experience of how they can feel better and focus on collective outcomes, that's what you're going to get, Craig. Fantastic. So, Sue, how do people get in touch with you to find out more, read more, learn more, get some help if they need it, et cetera? Well, currently they can come straight to our website, which is www.appellon.com. Uh, They can get in touch with us. Uh, That's probably the best way to come through the website where there's all contact details um, other than, you know, the details from myself personally, which is in the white paper. Uh, So people can come to us to ask for a copy of the white paper with details there. So we're happy to um, have a chat with anyone who is interested in understanding more about this science. Fantastic. Thanks so much for your time, Sue. I think it's been really interesting. Thank you. uh, Look, I've I've got those contact details. We'll put them online so people can get in touch with you if they need to or want to. And uh, thank you very much for your time. That's been really interesting. Pleasure. And thank you very much for having me. I'm I'm really um, grateful. Thank you, Craig. No problems. Thanks for listening to Mid-Market Matters. I hope you found this episode helpful and informative for your business. To find out more, go to midmarketmatters.com.au. And to download other episodes, go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening.